0: And there he goes. Coast to coast. Can he make it? Yes, he can. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into to Green Dot Daily, Action Network's daily sports betting show. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Be sure to join us every weekday at noon Eastern. However you found us now, or are live on the Action app, also streaming live on the Action HQ Twitter and the Action Network YouTube page. Green. Daily is presented by BetMGM. If you use the bonus code ACTION when signing up, you can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Terms and conditions apply. As a reminder, all picks from the show are tracked at Green.Daily. We have an account dedicated to the show in the Action app. Here's what we got coming up today on the show. Moments from now. We'll have Stucky and Raybon joining us. They're going to reveal some of their picks from the Sunday six-pack. They also have a pick tonight in college football. Should be a good one between Oregon State and Washington. We'll find out what side they are on in that game, as well as the Saturday college football slate. Brandon Anderson on a future Friday, as he likes to say, when he's on the Buckets podcast with Matt Moore. He has a future in the NBA and also a future in the NFL. That's all on the table. But first... We'll find out also if Darren Revelle is going to join us. That's a fun story, but we'll see how that all plays out. As a reminder, getting you ready every day for the betting slate to get green dots. Houston Astros have a 3-2 series lead in the World Series. The latest odds to win the World Series MVP, courtesy of BetMGM, Jeremy Pena. Three hit night in game five. Had a base hit, drove in a run, also homered in the ballgame to put the Astros ahead in the middle innings. We will get to World Series MVP discussion with Action Network baseball writer Sean Zarillo. He joins us now on Green Dot Daily. So, Zarillo, I know you're probably not too pleased about this current result because you've got that Phillies ticket to uh, take home the World Series as they shift gears back to Houston. Phillies down 3-2 but you actually think that there's an edge for Philadelphia in game six.
1: Yeah, I bet on the Phillies in game two, this is the same matchup in game six as we had in game two with Zach Wheeler facing Framber Valdez. Now that line closed at plus 110 for the first five innings around plus 130 for the full game in game two. Totals three and a half and seven, both minus 120 to the under. So I love to see playoff rematches where you have the same matchup in the same ballpark and you're able to compare the lines from one game to the next I did change my projection slightly between games two and six I made the Phillies around minus 110 for the first five innings plus 105 for the full game in game two I shortened both of those by five cents for game six minus 105 and plus 110 now Zach Wheeler's fastball velocity was down in that game to start relative to where it was in the postseason. It was down during the regular season this year as well, compared to where he was last year during his Cy Young campaign, ended up finishing second behind Corbin Burns. But he was around 97 miles an hour last season, around 97 miles an hour in these playoffs, was at 95.8 miles an hour during the regular season this year, and you saw a slight dip in his underlying indicators, but was phenomenal this postseason until game two of the World Series, where his velocity dipped back down below his 2022 average so if Wheeler with that extra day off in the middle of the series is able to regain his velocity for game six you can expect to see that elite form that you saw from him earlier in these playoffs but even if he's closer to his 2022 level around upper 95 mile an hour close to 96 on his average fastball can still expect an expected era of around a low three so Comparable pitching matchup here for me between Willer and Framber Valdez. The Phillies do have the better of the splits, though. Much better team against lefties than righties this season. And particularly after the trade deadline, top three offense after the trade deadline against left-handed pitching. The Astros closer to a league average offense against righties after the trade deadline. So the Phillies certainly getting the better of the splits. They're going to put in a new shortstop and a new center fielder when Framber Valdez is in the game. A couple of bats who are average bats against left-handed pitching, and then they'll sub back in Bryson Stott and Brandon Marsh once Fromberg leaves the game. So I like the way the Phillies match up here with the lefty-righty splits. Down to plus 104 for the first five innings, plus 118 for the full game. Those would be my price targets. For Game 6, we're betting them just like we did in Game 2, and hopefully they're able to force a Game 7.
0: And Rob Thompson has walked the tightrope in terms of how he's handled Wheeler. Uh, in these playoffs, and emphasized we want to get Zach Wheeler on regular rest. And as for Valdez, 24 strikeouts in three World Series starts. You wonder if there's any regression coming this guy's way. He has been dynamite uh, getting guys out via the strikeout. We will see how that pays off uh, for him. So if you like Philadelphia, based on – and, of course, you're a numbers guy. I realize that. But say you don't have a Phillies future ticket – They're plus 450 to win the series. Of course, if you don't bet that now and they win game six, you're not getting a better number in game seven. So is there a
1: situation where you look at the series price and think, all right, there is value here on Philadelphia. I would need plus 525 or better in order to bet the Phillies. I projected the Astros around 82%, so minus 450 implied. So with the Phillies closer to 18% for me, I would need around a 16% implied win probability at plus 525 in order to play them. I think the better strategy would be to go ahead and bet the Phillies money line for game six. If that bet wins, you take the winnings, you take the initial stake, and then you roll it over again onto their money line for a game seven in a game seven scenario. It's difficult to say exactly how I project it. Cause you do need to see pitcher usage in game six. If somebody throws 30 or 40 pitches, they're probably not going to be available or at hundred percent for game seven, but Before game six, I would make the Astros about minus 135 favorites in game seven. I would put that total around 7.1. I would expect you'll see the Astros lined around minus 140 or minus 150. So you should be looking for a Phillies price target around plus 147 in a game seven scenario. But again, things subject to change depending on pitcher usage in game six.
0: Right. All hands on deck, you'd think, for the Phillies in both games. But, yeah, in Game 7, both teams, who knows who's coming out of that bullpen to uh, win the World Series. How about we we show the folks at home the World Series MVP odds. Jeremy Pena, the favorite at plus 100, significant drop-off to Bregman at plus 700. Pena had a three-hit game, as we mentioned, in Game 5. Single to drive and a run, homer to give them the lead, and the Astros never looked back. Does that make sense to you, or is that – of course, Pena being the favorite, you you think that makes sense, but is there someone else that you might want to look down the board and go, okay, if this goes the way I think it could, there's value.
1: Yeah, we talked about it on the Payoff Pitch Podcast, but Ranger Suarez at around 50-1 to for the Phillies. If the Phillies do win this series, Game 7 would have to go through him, and he'd be guaranteed another start. He pitched in relief in Game 1, ended up getting some key outs there, had a phenomenal start in Game 3, and then if he's able to get another win in Game 7, I think he certainly being lined for the award for the Phillies. And then on the Astros side, Ryan Presley has a chance to pitch six times in this series. He's already pitched four out of the first five games, had the extra days off in there to get some rest, but he's been lights out thus far at a hundred to one couple of saves. Maybe he ends up getting a win in game six or seven if it goes to extra innings. So Ryan Presley, hundred to one Ranger Suarez, 50 to one, I think a couple of pitchers based on their usage thus far, what they've done thus far and their expected usage the rest of the way that you could be interested in.
0: If the Phillies tie this series up Saturday night, we get a game seven on Sunday night. What line do you project for a game seven? We kind of touched on this already. We don't know what pitcher usage will look like. We think we know. Well, Houston, we don't really know, I guess, who might start for them. But you mentioned Suarez for Philadelphia in game seven. How do you see it playing out if we do indeed get to a game seven on Sunday?
1: Yeah, curious to see if the Astros go with Christian Javier, maybe on three days rest ahead of Lance McCullers, who struggled giving up five home runs in mm-hmm. his game two start. But as of right now, I said I would project the Astros around minus 135, so I would need plus 147 on the Phillies or better in order to play them in a game seven scenario. I will probably be just riding my futures tickets at that point if we get there because it's the same result and I already have an investment on them and directly at that point in a winner take all scenario, but plus 147 or better would be my initial target on the Phillies before game seven. Have to imagine all hands on deck except for Zach Wheeler and from Valdez Probably see some Justin Verlander and some Aaron Noah in the bullpen warming up as well.
0: Sean Zarillo covering baseball for us all season. And since we started Green Dot Daily, thanks so much for your time all year. This is the end, I think, for baseball on this show. So thanks for the time, ma'am.
1: Brennan, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you all year. Sounds good. Time flies
0: when you're having fun. We are in the midst of 27 straight days of football. And tonight, as well as uh, tomorrow, we've got two big matchups in college football, Oregon State, Washington, Washington, Later this evening in Auburn, Mississippi State. Auburn's got a new head coach, of course, an interim coach uh, with the firing occurring earlier this week. We welcome in Stucky, who hit on Coastal Carolina yesterday. Nice work, Stuck. When you look at this game tonight, Oregon State and Washington, why is this a game you want to take a look at and what's your lean? Yeah, I think you have to look at
2: Oregon State here. The Washington defense is just really poor. They can't stop anybody, and that makes it difficult to cover a number as a favorite. And from a matchup perspective, if you look at Oregon State, their defense has been much poorer against the run. That's not really something that Washington does offensively. I think the Oregon State offense will have success here. Washington will get its points, but I think Oregon State can match them. The defense is just, its it's been bad all year and it's not getting any better. You also could have some weather here worth mm-hmm. watching. I think the weather actually would help oregon state in this particular matchup so i think it's a bit too many points i think this line should be you know closer to a field goal slightly below uh so i i think the value is with the beavers here and just going off script to talk about weather, it's november college football you want to you know seattle there could be rain like there is tonight but especially the wind something you want to look out for the iowa purdue game in particular tomorrow might have 30 mile an hour winds i think and Iowa can't score regardless of the weather. Purdue only throws it. So that's why that total is coming down. So, But it's just something you always want to look at, especially in the Midwest. Uh, mm. Just check out the weather when you're handicapping college football throughout the month of November.
0: In terms of the total number of bets, uh, they're both coming in 50-50 Oregon State, Washington, but the money is on the Beavers. 78% of the handle on Oregon State, 45 Mentioned a moment ago that Auburn has moved on from their coach. So Carnell Cadillac Williams assumes the coaching duties as the interim head coach, the rest of the way for Auburn, they take on Mississippi state tomorrow night. You have a pick in this game. What is it?
2: Yeah. I like Auburn here. If you look at all of the teams who have fired their coaches this year and then have had interim coaches, all of them except Nebraska had a ton of success the next week. I think there's been four upsets of teams that were at least a two touchdown underdog. You had Georgia Tech beat Pitt. You saw Charlotte last week with an interim coach win as 16 point underdogs. Uh you know, Colorado got their first win as 14 point underdogs. We've seen it over and over again. I think, you know, it might you might get a locker room boost mm. uh and I think here here that applies with Cadillac Williams. You also might, you know, you the new staff could roll out some new looks that the other team doesn't have on film also hey look, let's try this and uh, in last week with Charlotte Charlotte came out, hey let's play loose. We have a new coach. they did a, a surprise onside kick, a you know a reverse, a fake punt like they were just playing a lot looser and they you know made some changes that obviously paid off and then from a matchup perspective, it's really good for Auburn. Auburn can run the ball can't really throw it but Mississippi State's run defense has been really poor this season so I think Auburn could have success on the ground. And on the other side of the ball, everyone is running on Auburn. Their run defense has been atrocious. Well, they're playing Mississippi State. Nobody runs less than Mississippi State uh, and their air raid offense. On top of that, Mississippi State under Leach after the bye week over the past few seasons has been awful. They've scored zero, Mm -hmm. zero, nine, and seven points. And if you go back historically under Mike Leach, and he talks about this, their offense, the air raid offense- after a bye with extended time off, loses its rhythm, loses its timing. He's actually the least profitable coach against the spread over the past 30 seasons with 10 or ten or more days in between games. I think this line is too high. Give me Auburn.
0: Okay. It's been sitting at 12 and a half now the last couple of days. And those Scott Frost demons just did not leave Nebraska the minute the coach got fired. Yeah. They just uh, that guy hanging left- around. He certainly left enough of a mark for it to take a while to to leave uh, the Cornhuskers' locker room. So be sure to catch Stucky and the Big Bets on Campus crew live tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, uh, over in the Action app, the Action YouTube page, and also on Twitter streaming live. Stucky's sticking around. We welcome in Chris Raybon. What's up, Raybon? How you doing, man?
3: Going on, Brendan. I'm showing up. I'm showing
0: Good. So you want to keep this uh, train rolling here, NFL-wise, the Sunday six-pack. You've you've been rolling, my friend. Uh, What do you got for us for your first pick?
3: Uh, I'm going with the Carolina Panthers, plus seven and a half, uh, seven at some spots, at the Cincinnati Bengals. When you look at the Bengals, they're just in a tough spot in this matchup, and they're coming off a short week. They just lost their best cover corner, Chidobe Awuzie. And that might've not been a big deal early in the season against the Panthers, but DJ Moore, uh, his connection with PJ Walker has been a lot better uh, over the past three games than it had been with Baker Mayfield. Then you also look at Cincinnati's run defense. Since DJ Reader left, uh, it's been a bottom five run defense in terms of success rate. It was top five in the three games where uh, Reader was healthy and he, he's not expected back until after the bye. So that that hurts them as well. And then of course, The absence of Jamar Chase just makes this offense a lot less explosive. Joe Burrow over 10 yards in attempt and a touchdown rate of 9.7% throwing to Chase in his career to everyone else, 7.6 yards in attempt, the touchdown rate more than cut in half at four and a half percent. So I just don't think that there's this big of a gap between these two teams. Panthers are playing hard. Uh, They're still motivated in that division and this Bengals team, you know, Coming off short rest, it's just been a tough spot. You look at uh, single-digit home favorites, historically, going all the way back to 2005, when you're a home favorite by single digits, coming off short rest, uh, just 95-133-7 and against the spread. That's just 42%. And Burrow, he's just 1-4 in in his career uh, when they're favored by a touchdown or more against the spread. So give me the Panthers plus 7.5.
0: This feels like weekly therapy because I think last week when you picked Carolina, we got the news that uh, Chuba Hubbard was going to not play. So it's just like this is just a revolving
3: running backs don't matter against the spread. And by the way, Deontay Foreman is apparently Derrick Henry, according to the commentators. I don't know how many times they called. They they made the comparison between the two, but I would have had a I'd be rich if I had a, a dollar for each time.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I've reached the point too, doing shows with the folks from action and really before action, the running back doesn't matter. I'm just saying it's like, okay, here we are again. Raybon's joining us, giving a Sunday six pack pick. He's picking Carolina. The starting running back gets ruled out. It's just, it's like you could have just used last week's segment. That's all I'm getting. Oh, right yeah. Now. Oh, absolutely. So very good. So, and by the way, we, we talked about this last week too, and it's been a recurring recur- theme. The road underdog has been very successful this year in the National Football League 42 and 30. Against the number. All right, Stucky, let's get your thoughts now in the NFL. What's your first Sunday six pack pick?
2: Yeah, I hate to do this, but we're going to go with the Cardinals. You know, when I'm trying to handicap the NFL, one of the things I'd like to do is try and, you know, buy low, sell high, try and find the bottom and the top of markets on teams. And I think this is the top of the market for Seattle. These two teams just met a few weeks ago. Arizona was minus two and a half on the road. And actually took some sharp money in that game. Now, fast forward a few weeks later, Arizona's minus two at home. Yes, Seattle has been upgraded since <clears throat> they did win that game. It was ugly. Both teams averaged about four and a half yards, 4.4 yeah, yards per play.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Arizona was one of five on fourth down. Ugly game. They still get upgraded. Arizona last week exceeded expectations. It was a coin flip game. They you know lose on a muff punt. And then also since Arizona's added DeAndre Hopkins. And if you look historically, they've averaged 10 points more per game with him in the lineup compared to when he's not in there. And look, the Seattle team, if you just look around, you're seeing now everybody say Super Bowl, Geno Smith MVP, feels like this is the top of the market. I think this line should be at least three. And if you look at what Seattle's done this year, it's OK. You, you beat Russell Wilson in the opener in a game, by the way, they should have lost at the goal line five times they beat the giants at home the charger the beat up chargers they beat the lions who were missing the two best players by three on the road these are their wins and then the cardinals like not that impressed with the resume and geno smith who's been awesome this year a lot mm-hmm. of his success is coming off of the run so when they're able to run he's been great under with play action the arizona run defense has been really good since week one uh, since week two i should say and they shut down the Seattle offense two weeks ago. I think there's value in Arizona here. You just have to hope that they don't come out and go
0: down fourteen nothing like they s- seemingly do every week under Cliff. Okay, Stuckey is fading the public. It's this is one of the biggest public sides of the week. Seattle, seventy-eight percent of thing. the bets, eighty-nine percent of the money. Well, in college, you're with the public. I've been seeing you, you're Tennessee. So in this case, you're yep. you're against the people. All right, man. Yeah, very good. By the way, uh, Brandon Anderson remains uh, on Seahawks Island. If either of you needs to go check that out. He's the, uh, he's the Island guy these days, Anderson. So we'll have more on that with Brandon Anderson later in the show. Second pick Raybon for week nine this weekend.
3: I'm going with Washington plus looks like plus three now against Minnesota. So, um, you know, yep. this is one where it looks like the sharps are on Washington. This line has come down. I saw it at four earlier in the week, but I, I like Washington. I think Minnesota, you know, they've, They've been obviously a lot better in one-score games under O'Connell, which is, is a positive for their fan base. But uh, as you know, in the betting market, I think they're getting a little bit overrated. On average, they've been outgained this year a three eighty-three to three forty-six, which is pretty crazy for a team that's six and one. Uh, meanwhile, Washington, you know, since making the switch to Taylor Heineke, uh, they they've out they outgained Green Bay three sixty-four to two thirty-two. They outgained the Colts three sixty-two to three twenty-four, and if you look since they've benched William Jackson, who they traded, um, but they benched him around midseason. They've been eighth in EPA allowed per dropback since then have the commanders. They were 20th in weeks one through four. So this pass defense is a lot better. And their run defense was always good. Uh, number two uh, in DVOA. They also play a good bit of man coverage, which Minnesota uh, has struggled against. So I really like the matchup here. For Washington. And, you know, Minnesota, Zedari Smith has been killing it, but they're still below average in pressure rate. It hasn't been consistent, uh, especially if he doesn't get home. Heineke's been really good from a clean pocket, a 132 passer rating. Uh, and Minnesota's also dead last against number one wide receivers in DVOA. And Terry McLaren has been getting about two more targets per game and averaging over 30 yards more per game with Heineke in the lineup. So I just think this Washington seems a little underrated from, you know, how they started the season with Carson Wentz. Meanwhile, Minnesota just a little bit overrated based on a lot of things going their way. Uh, So give me Washington Heineke eight and two against the spread in his last 10 starts. Cousins is just 13, 22 and one against the spread. That's just 37% when uh, he's coming off of a win uh, in his time with the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Five straight wins for Minnesota seven and one straight up in their last eight. Yeah. This uh, you get the sense there, there should be, or you get the feeling that there could be some negative regression on the way for Kirk cousins in the Minnesota Vikings who do add TJ Hawkinson uh, this week, coming over from Detroit at the trade deadline. Okay. Stucky, take us home. Your second pick, your final pick for the show for the six pack. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking at the, yeah, I was looking
2: at these betting splits while you were talking. I, that Seattle Island is uh, the Island's pretty full um
0: uh yeah i'm gonna go with tampa fair enough he, he was on it early though i'm just giving him yes. props that's all okay.
2: uh no I, I agreed i'm gonna go bucks bucks rams game these are two very disappointing teams that have been horrendous to watch but i think there's value on tampa at home i think that there's reasons to believe that tampa will turn it around and there's many reasons to believe that the rams are just bad and if i look at both of these teams just from an adjusted Schedule standpoint. And if I look EPA per play, the Bucks offense has been better than the Rams. The Rams has been arguably the worst offense in the NFL. The Bucks defense, better than the Rams. The Bucks special teams, better than the Rams. So I have the better offense, better defense, better special teams. And I'm getting healthier. They're going to get some key defenders back. You got to remember they also were dealing with injuries at wide receiver all season. And then most importantly, you know, Tom Brady doesn't look as good, but he's been his numbers are fine, especially when he has a clean pocket. I think that there's just some trust issues with the offensive line when he's under pressure, he's just getting rid of the ball. He's, you know, averaging like four yards uh, per depth of target. When he has a clean pocket, he's been elite, actually leads the NFL in big time throws, nine touchdowns, one interception. The Rams can't get pressure. It's the Rams and the Falcons at 12%. They're the bottom of the barrel in pressure rate. So I think Brady will have a clean pocket. Now receivers are getting healthier. And uh, this Rams offense is just a mess. And they are extremely reliant on one player who might not be 100% healthy. On top of that, you have extra rest here. Tampa played on a Thursday. Rams are coming across the country. I think there's value here in the Bucks at three or below.
0: Okay, Cooper Cup did say that uh, he doesn't think it's serious, but not, not a good sign. They've, they've really used him quite a bit through these first uh, this first part of the season. And the, the staggering thing, too, about Tampa and Green Bay and even the Rams, I guess, throw them in there. But the stat from Evan Abrams over at Action Packers and Bucks need to go nine and one straight up in their final 10 games to go over their preseason win total. So Stuckey does believe this is a good turnaround spot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. You can find the rest of Stuckey and Ray Bonds picks on NFL Week 9. Uh, by going to the NFL Week Nine betting preview over on the Action Network podcast, shameless plug. We also have best bets from the uh, rest of our crew at Action Network in there as well. Okay, now joining us, these guys aren't going anywhere. Coming on Green Dot Daily, Action Network's Darren Ravel. Darren is alive and well. Here he is, Darren. How are you, pal? How was How was Philadelphia?
4: Uh, it was great, NFL are 10 and 18 against the spread. That's the least profitable in 18 years since 2004. God, I can't believe 2004 is 18 years ago. That's really crazy. and then I got in the college game for you. Obviously everyone focused on Tennessee, Georgia over the past 50 seasons. There have only been 10 matchups between an AP one and two with a spread over a touchdown Underdog's gone eight and two against the spread Tennessee opened at 11 and a half 11 and now it's plus eight. So that's uh, some interesting info there.
0: Okay. Very good. Now. This is the good stuff. Ray bomb was all fired up last week. He's composed. He's been very composed from mo- most of this show, I think to save his ammo and energy for this particular segment. So are we fading Darren in week nine, you have a pick for us. What do you have? Okay. I have
4: two picks. So two I'm going to start, I'm going to start with my college pick. Uh, I, uh, all right, stop. And, We'll go to you first. And this, ahead, this, 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 this is a sprinkle, but I still have confidence in it. I like Tennessee first half plus two ten. Uh, st- <laughs> I think you know you look at Georgia's games they got they have gotten off to very slow starts um, I don't think Tennessee is going to win this game they might not cover but I like them in the first half and plus 210 is great I will sprinkle on that uh, that I was very
2: scared this when you started to say Tennessee and now you said that they're going to cover in the first half and you don't think they win or cover so that gives me I'm very happy because I want Tennessee to win for division futures. And I bet them plus eight. (laughs) So that means uh, Georgia will be up 14 at the half and Tennessee will storm back and win in overtime. So
4: so. he's just fading me to fade me like, okay, like give me some, like I'm giving you some data, like, I guess not real hardcore data. I wish it did a little bit more research, but 10, but Georgia does seem slow in the first half.
2: Yeah. I mean, we'll see. One of the things that where you could have a point is, Georgia has not played a competent passing offense all year. I mean, they've played True. Oregon in week one, yep. Bo Nix, brand new transfer quarterback. Their offense was, they, they moved the ball, but they've been playing like Auburn, Missouri, Samford, yes. mm-hmm. all these teams that just have complete, awful passing attacks. So it could be a little shock to the system. We'll fu- really find out about this defense that lost a lot of talent. In the NFL, and then, look, they're not going to be able to rotate guys. Tennessee is going to be really fast, so it could be a little shock to the system here early. So you have that going for you. Um, I like Tennessee overall, so I, this isn't your worst pick. But uh, I'm just and you know what they what say, the uh,
4: it, it gets scary when you get a good hooker. So sure.
0: Okay, we'll see how prepared Georgia comes into this game, or if Tennessee can catch them off guard based on what these guys just discussed. Okay, Darren, your second pick and Raybon hold back, hold back. It was as long as you can.
4: Uh, Okay. So uh, last week I did hit a parlay where I took all three favorites and got them under 10 points. Uh, And I I moved the bills uh, to minus nine and a half, which helped. That's going to inspire me this week. Uh, The bills are what at like 11. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, and you're going to say this might not count, but I'm going to put enough money on it. I like the bills minus nine and a half alternate spread. Minus 145 against the Jets.
3: Can we revisit, like, why is it scary with the hooker thing? No, it's just, that's just the... <laughs> Listen, man, I, I saw a tweet this morning. It said, you know, Corey Davis is a key loss uh, for the Jets because he's the only guy that Zach Wilson's throwing to that has like a, a completion percentage above expectation. Other, other than the other team. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I tweeted back, like, you know, it's a key loss when you have Zach Wilson as your quarterback. So you're taking, you're bringing the spread down for the bills. So I I can't fade you there. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, you know, this Jets team with Zach Wilson, he just makes poor decisions. I, I'm on the under in this game for what it's worth. Uh, I I think that the Jets defense is uh, underrated in the market and this bill's defense they've faced three offenses outside the top 20 which the jets are and they've held each of those three teams to 10 points or fewer and an average of 6.7 so i think you're actually on the right track because you're bringing the number down so even if the bill's offense maybe isn't quite as explosive as you know you would expect in a bill's jets game from the past i still don't think the jets are going to be able to score here so uh, i'm backing ravel i'm backing you which means that the bills are going to uh, when, or, or the bills are probably going to win by nine. So
0: I, I just find it interesting that now we're bringing the number down for Zach Wilson, but last week you wanted the number to go up for Aaron Rodgers,
3: Darren. I mean, that's respectable. I No,
4: I mean, obviously I, I wanted to go up because I just wanted, I just wanted to, you know, I, I just hate him so much and I wanted to kind yeah. of like rub it in his face. But yes, I, I think I've learned from that 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 was dumb, and I and and so I'm making a, a mid-season correction on doing that. I might do it again, but I got burned on that one.
3: shouldn't go, Shouldn't go rubbing it in people's faces, Darren. I mean, yeah. I
0: kind of started it, so I was just I was just trying to. Understand I've, I've already
4: gone down that road for my life, so I don't really I can't really turn around.
0: Okay. Be sure to join the Big Bets on Campus crew tomorrow, 1030. Raybon and Stucky have you covered NFL Week 9. Betting preview on the Action Network podcast, Darren Ravel. Thanks so much for stopping by, all three of you Have a great weekend. Best of luck with everything, all right? Cheers. All right, little edition of Future Friday here on Green Dot Daily. And look, I, I know you all want to look at the names on the left of this list, but uh, look look over there, bottom right corner, Tua Tagovailoa, plus plus eight thousand to an MVP Brandon Anderson's joining us now I, I don't mean to uh, take the words out of your mouth here <laughs> but I, I just couldn't help but mention that your boy on Seahawks Island is just above him and Geno Smith you had previously given out Tyree Kill to an offensive player of the year at plus 16,000 uh, plus 1600 he now has the second best odds at this point in the year at plus 700 only behind Jalen Hurts uh staying in Miami for NFL futures this week you're gonna go to Tua
5: I just can't get enough of this Miami offense. There's something there that's a little different than we've seen. It reminds me in some ways, I'm not saying they're the same, but remember when the Warriors first started being the Warriors and you just, you watched and you just knew something is different here. We're watching a different version of the sport. In Miami's offense, it feels like Tua is, is kind of playing point guard and he's got all these dynamic, speedy weapons everywhere. And the genius Mike McDaniel is just kind of moving all the chess pieces around something feels different. And I keep taking nibbles on some of these long shots. Here's the thing that caught my eye. If you look over at rbsdm.com, running backs don't matter, a good stat to keep an eye on is EPA and completion percentage over expectation. Historically, if you watch that number for quarterbacks, just a way to say, okay, how are my quarterbacks around the NFL doing? The quarterback that is number one in that metric has won the MVP six of the last nine seasons where quarterback won. And every MVP the last 15 years, except for one, Cam Newton, has finished top two in that metric. So we're halfway through the season, right? So I pull it up, and look at that. Look who is up in the top right corner ahead of Josh Allen, ahead of Patrick Mahomes. It's our guy, Tua Tagovailoa, number one in EPA right now, halfway through the season, to win MVP you got to first to throw in the favorite. Who's our favorite? Josh Allen, still the favorite. But if somebody is going to knock him off, why not the guy in his own division? Historically, you need to be a top two seed. To be a top two seed, Miami is going to have to beat Buffalo one way or another, which, by the way, they did already. They beat Buffalo once, December 18th in Buffalo. We're going to have to win that one. For our ticket to cash, we're going to have to sweep Josh Allen head to head with Tua. We're going to have to win that because we're going to need to win the division, get up to a top two seed. But beyond that, average MVP numbers, they hold up here. I think Tua, you know, we're a long shot here. We're 80 to one. You win these next few games. I think he suddenly is the third or fourth favorite, maybe on the list. And we get down at 15, 20 to one and you have a real shot.
0: Let's get a thought from you on the NBA switching gears. You are going to pull the rug from out underneath a team that had a lot of preseason attention and that could really go any direction Uh, that, that leaves open the possibility for anything, but there is a team that you think is not primed to be in the postseason picture. Potentially.
5: I am. I am going to Los Angeles and not for the LA team. You think, We're fading the LA Clippers to miss the playoffs. And here's the reason. Look, we're only, what, six, seven, eight games in for these teams. We pull up the numbers right now. I pulled up offensive rating, pulled down perhaps. I scrolled all the way to the bottom. (laughs) And your LA Clippers are dead last in offensive rating, which is not not its own thing. Dead last means last behind the Lakers. The Lakers can't score the ball, and the Clippers have a worse offense than that team. Holy red flag. So that caught my attention. I dug into it a little bit. Right now, this team is over 18 points a game uh, per 100, worse than the number one offense, the Suns. So that's a point every five possessions that worse than the top offenses out there. This team is worst in the league at turning it over. And worst in the league at turning other teams over. That is a brutal combination. Math wise, you are literally giving the other team five or six possessions head start at the beginning of the game when you do that. So I just, I had to get out on this team. Kawhi Leonard, our guy has played 42 minutes so far, and we don't know when we'll see him again. Paul George is playing, but hasn't been that good. And then you get past those two. The whole thing we said was the depth guys, the depth for the Clippers. Well, look at the names who are next on the minutes per game. We got Zubach. We got Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, John Wall. I'm a little underwhelmed. We got Nick Batum and Robert Covington down there looking old. Depth is not great if the stars aren't performing. And our stars aren't performing here. 38% to miss the playoffs. If we're looking at a plus 800 here, we're talking about something more like around 10% implied or somewhere in that range to miss the playoffs. So we're getting a lot better number than what is implied here. I think there's a good chance at the very least we get to a play-in spot and give ourselves some options here on where we can buy out or take another side here. So, man, I was in on the Clippers before the year. This is ugly. It's been ugly for a lot of teams, like you said, but this is one where the number is just way off for me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. they got to get out of the play-in. That's what making the playoffs or missing the playoffs includes. You've got to get out of the play-in or, heck, don't make the play-in tournament. We'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, the word Tai Lu has used, frustrated. That is what Kawhi Leonard is right now. Very murky based on what his future is after being out for 15 months for an injury that usually has you ready to go within 8 to 12. So, Brandon Anderson on this future Friday, thanks so much for the time and good luck with these. Thanks. A lot to unpack from today's show, Green Dot Daily. As a reminder, we have an account dedicated to the show in the Action app. Follow us at Green Dot Daily for all of the picks from today's show. Also, as you just heard Brandon talk about, you want to be sure to get involved on those futures as well before any line movement as games take place tonight. And during the weekend. Again, it's at green.daily to see all the picks. Big weekend, of course, during the football season here at Action. We have a loaded. Weekend ahead. Be sure to join us. So here's the rundown for the weekend. Big bets on campus coming to you live tomorrow morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern. And then on Sunday, two shows to look forward to. It's the power hour. First, we'll start with convince me at 11 a.m. Eastern time, of course, covering the NFL on both of these shows. 11 a.m. for convince me right into the touchdown show with Jill Gallant, his favorite anytime touchdown score picks for the NFL slate. As a reminder, Green Dot Daily is presented by BetMGM, but that's important because you can use the bonus code ACTION when signing up over at BetMGM to get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks so much to all of our guests today during the week, our folks behind the scenes here at Action Network. On behalf of all of them, Brendan Glass you all have a great weekend. Get some Green Dots. Best of luck, and we will catch you again on Monday. See ya.